Why don't you stand with me for the reading of the word? We'll get it right into it. I'm going to read from Genesis chapter 3. Verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? Everybody say, Where are you? I'd like to preach a message today, and you need to pray for me, and you probably will after you hear what I have to say. You need to pray for me because I have several thoughts that I'm trying to narrow down to one thought. Everybody say, help him, Lord, because I want to go eat lunch. I won't be long at all, but I do want to preach several thoughts as the Lord directs, and I want to entitle it, Home, the Call Home. We've been talking about home, so this is home, the call home. Shall we pray? Father, I thank you for your faithfulness, for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, for your power and strength. All of that combined to bring about a rescue for the fallen sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. And I pray, God, that today that would be very clear. And for those of us who have strayed, God, you would call us home and we would hear that clarion call. And I give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. In bygone days, children, in the olden golden days of yore, when I was but a wee lad, we did not have what is known now as mobile phones or cell phones. Those really were the good old days. We rode our bikes or our skateboards because, yes, I was and somewhat retain a vestige, residual amount of being a skater boy. But we rode our bikes or our skateboards all over God's creation. We rode for miles and miles. I lived in Bossier City. I grew up in old Green Acres subdivision. 
And I would ride my bike or my skateboard up to Airline High School. And I would go to the top of the stadium, me and my friends or my cousin Randy. And we would go to the top of the stadium and we would ride our bicycles down the stadium. Because it was, uh, they had steps, but they also had the ramps. And we would go from the top to the bottom, man, as fast as we could on our bicycles. And I had a, a myriad of amazing bicycles. I had my Evil Knievel bicycle that was my favorite. I had my BMX bicycles. I, I had my Huffy bicycles. I, I had my JCPenney bicycles. I had all these different bicycles. And, and I had... Uh, skateboards, and this is back in the day when they didn't have skateboards like they do now back then. This was what we call a board on skates. Not the stuff they have today. They had ball bearings, and, and then they upgraded to precision wheels, and, and they were the fancy ones, bonsai boards, metal boards, all this stuff. We would take our skateboards or our bicycles to airline and, and ride the stadiums, which sometimes ended in disaster, but, you know, we were durable and we survived. We didn't wear helmets. You should wear helmets, kids. All you sh- kids should wear helmets. My grandkids should wear a helmet, uh, all that stuff. But I'm just telling you, we did not wear helmets, right? We did not. Nobody thought that was a good idea. We just didn't wear helmets. So we would ride those skateboards or those bikes down those stadiums at high rates of speed. We even rode our bicycles down the steps sometimes when we were feeling you know, people would run stadiums. Sometimes we would ride stadiums. And uh, the best way, of course, was down. But we, we would do that. I, I also would ride up to Green Acres Junior High School. And really, there wasn't much to do there but ride through the halls. And we did that. Uh, we would go to Apollo Elementary. We would ride up there, ride around. We would ride up to Sharks Radio Control Airplane Club. Bozier City is the home of Barksdale Air Force Base, and a lot of those pilots had radio control airplanes that were amazing. And we little kids would go out there and watch them, and we'd ride our bike out into the middle of the field. There's a Walmart Supercenter there now. But we would ride our bikes out there and watch the remote control airplanes at times. Uh, we would ride up to Mr. Gershman's Texaco station uh, at the corner of Melrose and Airline, and, and Mr. Gershman would always cut us down and pick on us and you bunch of rich kids coming up here to my gas station. What do you want? You know, that kind of thing. He was that mean old gas station attendant. But he really loved us, and we knew he did. At least we thought he did. We would go to Ed's Food Town. We would get Twinkies and Cokes and whatever. We would ride out to these dirt pits that were behind Apollo, and we, we would take our dirt bikes out there, and we would ride and jump and ramp and do all this kind of crazy stuff. And, and in the evenings, when it was time to come inside and eat supper... Parents in our neighborhood, usually mothers, would would stand out in their front yard, cup their hand to their mouth, because we did not have mobile phones, cell phones, and they would yell, they would holler, Hey, Donovan! You'd hear them all across, you know, Randy, Mike, you know, they would yell for their kids. It was the call to come home. One time, I'll never forget it, I was, I can't remember whose house I was at. I 
I may have been at Mark Cotter's house. Maybe it was Chris Youngblood's, Dewey Burchett's, Sam Cheatham's, Jay Taft's, Eric Berdue's, Greg Ferguson, Joe Arsenault, Scott Tillman. It was one of my buds. I was at their house. I remember I was at their house. We'd been riding around. We settled in at somebody's house playing video games. Back in the day, we did have video games back then. <laughs> they were like, you know, TRS-80s, you know, things like that. But we were we were in a house, and, and, and time got away from me, and I realized, oh, my goodness, it's late. The sun has gone down, and, and I made a beeline for my house. And to my chagrin, when I rounded the corner, there was a police car in my driveway. And I knew, oh, no, like I am in bad, bad trouble. And sure enough, I was. And, but I tried the sympathy card. I'm like, well, at least I wasn't kidnapped, you know. I mean, thank God, you know. That didn't work too well. I was in bad trouble. Mom had yelled and yelled and yelled and finally called the cops. I was in trouble. And in our reading, Adam was in trouble. Adam was in trouble. I want to propose to you, when God called to Adam, it was not because God did not know where Adam was. God is omniscient. It's not like God panicked and had this lack of knowledge. Where is Adam? Rather, it was Adam who did not know where Adam was. It was Adam who was lacking knowledge of his own whereabouts. Adam was far from home and did not realize how far away he had gone. And to grasp just how far he had gone, God was trying to shake him into reality. Adam, where are you? Now, in the beginning, when it all started, Adam was kind of a big deal. He really was. He was created in the image and after the likeness of God. God had a son, and Adam was his name. He was as much like God as was possible without being God. He was brilliant, flawless, perfect, spirit, soul, and body. He was endowed with authority and power to act on God's behalf. He was given the stewardship of this entire planet he was God's vice regent. He was the law of the land. And Adam used his words like his father. He would speak. He would declare. He would call. He would name. One time, God caused all of the animals to come before Adam. And in a display of his brilliance and the superior intellect that he possessed, he named every one of the animals that came along. I've tried to envision that. Just imagine, here comes a deer, and he's like, that's a deer. Here comes an elk. That's an elk. Here comes a slug. That's a slug. He named all the animals, and that became their name in this one particular story. He was declaring things, naming things. Then God gave Adam a gift. I mean, a really good gift, a companion. And at that time, Adam called her woman. He didn't call her Eve at that time. He called her woman. God told him in Genesis 2, he said, you, you can eat from every tree in this garden, but do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You know the story. The snake started talking to the woman and told her that God had misled them, that God was holding something back from them. 
and that she could eat the fruit and she should eat the fruit. Adam was right there all along hearing every word of this conversation between his woman and the snake. She believed the snake and she ate the fruit. And her husband, who was created in the image and the likeness of God, who named all the animals, called his companion woman, her husband who fellowshiped with God, her husband who talked to God, when she needed him to say something, he was absolutely mute. He said nothing. It was a strange silence. It was this pensive passivity. He was so passive about the whole situation. It seems so out of character and definitely nothing like his father. 1 Timothy 2.14 says that the woman was deceived. She totally bought into the snake's hustle. It was a hustle. He was selling her a bill of goods and she bought in. But Adam was never deceived. That's what the Bible says. He was totally aware of what was going down. The snake was lying. The woman was caught up in the lie. To me, it's obvious that God intended for Adam to speak here, to intervene, to intercede. The snake was using words to steal Adam's bride, and Adam was supposed to use words to save his bride. But Adam said, as my grandpa used to say, Nary a word. Adam said nothing. Now words are important. Words are very important. Saying words is important to God. We see this early on. I've mentioned that Adam got it honestly. God speaks. He does not waste words either. Jesus said in Matthew 5.37, Let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. Don't waste words. Don't mince words. When God speaks, He has a reason and a purpose to those words. We see it dramatically displayed in the very first chapter, the opening volley of the Bible, when God saw the void in the darkness of Genesis 1. Look at this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So here you have this void, here you have this chaos, here you have this darkness. And what does God do when He sees this? And what some scholars would say would be a disastrous situation. Look at verse 3. Then God said, let there be light. And then we see further on, verse 5. God called the light day and the darkness. He called night. Verse 6, then God said, let the firmament. Verse 8, and God called the firmament heaven. Verse 9, then God said, let the waters under. Verse 10, and God called the dry land earth. And He called the waters the seas. Verse 11, then God said. Verse 14, then God said. Verse 20, then God said. Verse 22, and God blessed them saying. Verse 24, then God said. Verse 26, then God said. Verse 28, God said to them. Verse 29, and God said. 
So Adam got his use of words honestly, like father, like son. He was a speaker. He called, he named, he spoke out, he declared. But on this one important, incredibly important decision, this time when he needed to speak more than ever, he was stone mute. He didn't say anything. It kind of went down like this. He made the decision in the moment to not say anything, to allow the snake to lie, to allow the woman to believe the lie. And that was the beginning of the end. That was the stumble, the misstep that led to the fall. Here's the point. I want to bring it home. I want to give some application. Here's the point. One bad decision in a moment of weakness for whatever reason can start a process that takes you far away from home. I mean, you're doing great. You're walking with God. You're not missing church. You're reading the Word. You're praying. And then for some unknown reason, we don't know why He did this. And I think the reason why we don't know is so we can apply it to ourselves. It wasn't anything specifically we're told about. It's just beware, something happened. And if it happened to Him, it can happen to you. Something happened. And for some reason, Adam made this stupid decision. And just like Adam with us, we can be doing great. Everything's fine. And for some reason, we make a stupid decision to just check out. And that decision, I want to warn you as a pastor today, can take you further than you can possibly imagine. Anybody ever been there and done that? It can take you further than you can have ever thought. I've met so many prodigal sons and daughters through the years, and they say, I don't know what happened. I don't know how I got where I am today. I have no idea. This pain that I feel, this brokenness I've experienced, what I've done to my family, I don't know how I got here. I just was doing okay. And then I took a drink. I took a hit. I started hanging out with those people. I just checked out for a moment. I wish I could get this across to our young people. I'm telling you, you're coming to church every day. You're coming faithfully every Sunday. You're walking with God. You're loving God and everything's going great. But if you're not careful, some of you, you can just make one bad decision that becomes a misstep that causes you to fall and you lose it all and you wake up 20 years later saying, how did I get here? How did this happen? Just one misstep. It started with just something. Something. The bottom line is this. Before you know it, you're so far from home. 
and the sun is beginning to set and you have no idea how far you've gone and you have no idea how to get back. That's what happened to Adam. Listen to this. He heard their conversation and then at her suggestion, this is interesting, at her suggestion, he ate the fruit too. And all of a sudden, both of them had an epiphany. Their eyes were opened. And they knew they were naked. They were ashamed. And they clothed themselves with fig leaves and tried to cover themselves. And then they heard the Lord coming to them in the cool of the day. They heard Him coming. It was, it was on the wind. The Spirit of God blew into their habitation. And they hid themselves. Rather than quickly jumping up and running to Him, they hid themselves. Adam, in quick, rapid succession, had gone from God's man in charge. Adam, the Adam, to being God's prodigal son. The prodigal son. As someone who's been there and done that, can I tell you, precious saints, you young people, young couples, you can go from worshiping on the front row to never walking in those doors again. Just like that. Just like that. What happened? I'm not sure. You can go from waving the palms on a Thursday saying, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And within 24 hours, you're saying, Crucify him. Because that's exactly what happened to those who were worshiping on Palm Sunday. How did it happen? Well, in Adam's case, check this out. When the deceiver was whispering, and when the woman was buying into his lies... Adam just said nothing. It's been said that all that needs to happen for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. Adam did not do anything. He did nothing. He said nothing. He just stood there. He didn't resist. He didn't resist temptation. He didn't resist evil. He didn't resist lies. He didn't stand for truth. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And the same applies to us. When the deceiver is whispering and others are buying into it, and you don't stand for truth, if you'll do that before you know it, in the blink of an eye, you can be in the same boat as those who are deceived. The difference is, you know better. They didn't know better. But you're in the same boat. Adam did not say a word. He did not express himself to those who were being deceived. He did not resist the devil. And the next thing you know, he was eating that fruit and he was living in this horrific, fallen state. Eve was deceived. Adam was not. Adam did not fall because he listened to the snake. Genesis 3.17 says he fell and was judged 
because he listened, and this is not sexist. Stay with me. This is not sexist at all. But it says that he fell because he listened to the voice of his wife, of the woman, of Eve. Here's the point. Beware when you listen to, take heed, pay attention to, compromise with, and fall in line with the voice of people who do not believe and who are deceived. It says that Adam, listen, the word is Shema in the Hebrew. It's from Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. It's a big deal in Judaism. The Shema, it's called the Shema. Hear, 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 hear. And rather than hearing that our God is one Lord, he listened to the snake. He listened to the wife. He heard the wife. He knew she was wrong. But he listened to her anyway. He fell and was judged, not because he listened to the snake and fell for the hustle, but because he listened to someone who was deceived and they were judged together. What was his need to listen to her? Why, why did he, what motivated him to not speak up? Again, a lot of unanswered speculation, a lot of foolishness when people speculate along these lines. But we can learn from this mistake. Do not be passive. Do not be quiet. Do not quit fighting against Israel. Uh, 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 do not quit fighting against evil. I said Israel. I got it. And he said, don't listen to your wife. Did I say that? Ray. Ray's always in trouble. So, so we've got this horrific situation over here, right? I mean, we've got Adam. He listened to Eve. Eve had listened to the snake. So when, when they did the blame game, it was legit. You know, when God said, what happened? He's like, well, you know, this woman. And the woman said, well, the snake. That's exactly what happened. Adam was not deceived. He knew this was a hustle. This was a lie. Eve was totally tricked. Adam listened to her. And ate the fruit. Didn't say anything. He totally knew what was up. So we got this terrible situation. So what's, what's the answer? What's the answer? I love this. God comes. This second point. God comes to them. He doesn't say, well, there you go. Bolt of lightning. Destroyed. Let's start all over. Losers. Failures. Stupid, silent man, gullible, ignorant woman, wipe them out, all of them, start all over. Now he comes to them, and there is a call to come home. Adam, where are you? Adam. I'm calling for you. You're my son. Where are you? 
This is the first prodigal son story. He comes to where he is and calls, Adam! It's like my mom calling to me at 2307 Ashdown, or over on McLeod Street, or one of those other houses we lived in. Calling my name, Donovan! Adam! I know where you are, but you don't understand where you are. Wake up. You've fallen a long ways. I used to come to you in the cool of the day and you would run to me and we would fellowship. But now you hide from me. Where are Adam? Where are you? Mercy called his name. Called him by name, Adam. I gave you this name, son. And I don't care how far you've fallen. I'm going to call you by your true name, Adam. I'm not going to call you fallen. I'm not going to call you sinner. I'm going to call you Adam. I've not forgotten you. I know exactly where you are. And I'm calling you home. That's the kind of God we serve. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's the kind of God we serve. Hey, it's sad how far and how quick we can go. Sin always takes you further than you want to go. The devil never parades his old timers. He always parades his rookies, right? The young, the beautiful. They smoking and drinking and drugging and, and, and doing all kind of uh, sinful stuff. And they look, it looks so enticing. You don't see them years down the road when they're broken and shaken and they're missing their teeth and all kind of stuff has gone wrong. They, he doesn't show you that situation. He, but, but, but God, God, when you serve God for a long time, there's something beautiful about a saint of God who's lived a holy life dedicated to the Lord. I'm telling you, it's a lie from the devil. Don't listen to the hustle. Don't listen to those who have bought into it. The devil's a liar. My God is good. His word is sure. And his mercy is everlasting. Hallelujah. Stand with me. Can you give him some praise right now? His mercy is everlasting. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your kindness. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your kindness. God was calling. He came near, Emmanuel, God with us. He came unto his own, for God so loved the world. He came and he called him by his true name, Adam. And I'm going to tell you today, God is calling some people in this room under the sound of my voice. And I don't think it's a soft and tender call, per se. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. We used to say that. I think it's an intense call. Donovan, do you know where you are? Do you know how far you've gone? Wake up. Wake up. I'll never forget, years ago, I went to the state fair with some friends and Valerie and this was in Shreveport. I told this story the other night to our group. And I ate a blooming onion on the midway. Oh, it was a great idea, I thought, at the time. I ate that blooming onion. Man, it was exceptional. Just ate the whole thing. Valerie took a couple bites. I went to my in-laws' house. We spent the night out there. They lived in the country at the time and spent the night out there watching Monday night football or something. I can't remember what it was. And 
something was like wrong, bad. And it went from bad to worse. And the next thing I knew, I was in, uh, I was on the floor in my in-law's house. And my father-in-law, Buddy, was slapping me. I had no idea. He was slapping. When I came awake, it's like I came from a deep, dark fog, man. I was unconscious beyond anything I'd ever experienced before. I was gone. I just, it all turned fade to black, right? And I was gone. And my father-in-law was slapping. He was going, Donovan. And I heard him in a distance. Donovan. Donovan. It got louder and louder. Donovan. Donovan. And I opened my eyes and it blurred. And I, my father-in-law's face kind of came into focus. And he's slapping me. Donovan. Donovan. Oh, was so sick. And I had totally passed. I don't know what happened. It was, it was a horrifying experience. But the bottom line is this. I didn't know how far I had gone until he started calling my name and I started waking up out of that stupor. Donovan. And I think that's what God was doing to Adam. Adam! 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 Where are you? What's happened? What have I done? And he began from that moment restoring Adam. The process had begun. Hey, and check this out. I don't have time to get into it. But Adam then, it says, after that, Adam looked at woman. Because the promise was she's going to have seed, a son that will reverse the curse. And Adam looked at her and stepped back into his role, opened his mouth, and he said, You're not woman anymore. You're Eve. He lined up with the word. And he said, you're going to bear seed. You're going to be the mother of all the living. We've experienced death. But God's word is sure. And you will be the mother of the living. And he got back into his role. But it all started when God called his name. I'm telling you, there's people in this room. Young people, please hear me. Some of you, listen, you can be out of here just like that. You could check out and you never knew what happened. I want you to shake yourself to wake yourself, right? Get a check up from the neck up. Understand. You can fall. You can slip. Where are you? The voice of God is calling to you. Where are you? Where are you? I want to recapture you. I want to pull you back into fellowship. I've got gifts for you. I've got a calling on your life. I've got more to give to you. I've got a journey to take you on. A blessing to give to you. I've got stuff, man. I've got plans. I have plans for you that you don't understand. There are plans to prosper you and give you a hope and give you a future. I've got stuff for you to do. I've got a plan and a purpose for your life. Where are you? Every head bowed and every eye closed.